Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about forming character relationships? Only if we can be best friends forever. BFF. Welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes to us from Rob Day, who is at Boo Day on Twitter, who tweeted, A recent article made me think of this. How do you go about forming character relationships when a new PC joins mid-campaign? Any tips for encouraging players to form new relationships either with PCs or NPCs? Now, when Rob says a recent article... (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure Rob is referring to your Gnome Stew article, Why Relationships. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a very tongue-in-cheek way to refer to my article, but (laughs) I'll talk about my article. Like, okay, twist my arm. So the broad topic is about forming character relationships, but specifically we want to look at existing players forming new relationships during a campaign and forming relationships with new PCs mid-campaign. So that sounds like enough of a topic for us to get started. But first, we have to discuss what relationships are and the challenges of relationships mid-game. So, Phil, you get some definitions for us tonight? Yeah, I think we do. I think we really only need one, which is relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or in this case, people are connected or the state of being connected. So we're talking about connections and things that connect characters together. Yeah, so we can have connections between two characters, like player characters. We can have connections between uh, a player character and an NPC. And we can have connections between two NPCs. Absolutely. Relationships have an intensity across a continuum. Right. So you can have a casual relationship with someone. You can have a deep relationship with someone. Right? Uh, relationships are, uh, what's it called? Relationships are tricky That in that they are not always symmetrical. Right. So you might have a symmetrical relationship in which the relationship between the two people is at the same intensity and it is the same. It's a reciprocal feeling of like, you know, That's like if two people are in love or if they both despise each other, whatever it is, that it could be the same thing reciprocally or asymmetrically, which is that the relationship between two people is not at the same intensity or is completely different emotions, right? Like, I love you, but you hate me, Like, You know. Are we symmetrical? I think we're symmetrical. Best friends forever. BFF. <laughs> yeah, symmetrical is correct, right? And yeah, so relationships are tricky like that, right? So relationships aren't always um, symmetrical. That's actually a thing that I have in, is a design in Hydro Hackers, that there's this thing where somebody's really like, you're tight with somebody, but somebody is only putting up with you. Right. I, it's, a, it's a mechanic that I really like how you have implemented because it feels like super accurate to the world. Like people might be symmetrical, but they also really might not be. So relationships create a connection between players, which in turn creates an emotional investment between the two characters and the players. Right. So the emotional bond can be used to generate uh, all kinds of emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things like camaraderie. Right. Like we mm-hmm. just tackled that dragon together. Like high five. 
Yeah, you da, know? da da Bam. Exactly. Uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I might really feel for you in a particular scene. Right. Uh, or tension. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we don't completely trust each other, or we're having some kind of negative emotions between us. Yeah. And this tension's rising. Until the tower falls. Dun, dun, dun. Everybody should back star-crossed. Anyway, so the relationship becomes a tool that both the players and the GM can actually use during the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's a thing that um, a GM can pull on, right, by setting up a scene yes. or, you oh, know. absolutely. It's it's a plot hook waiting to happen. Yeah, and it's also a thing that players can do in the middle of a scene, right? Like, mm-hmm. players can drag emotions into a scene and all of a sudden make a scene a lot deeper. Yeah, So. And- in my opinion, more interesting. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, you know, definitely useful in that respect. Now, some games work to create relationships as part, and I say relationships, relationships between the characters as part of the game. And it's typically done during character creation. And so we see this a lot in games like uh, Fate and Powered by the Apocalypse. Right. So in Fate, you have the phase trio that establishes both aspects and relationships, right? And then in Powered by the Apocalypse games, you have things like um, in Dungeon World, you've got bonds, or in Headspace, which is like the masterful create all of your PCs together game, you generate your backstory as you stat your characters. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And those systems do a great job of creating relationships between characters before the campaign starts. Mm-hmm. But often these games leave the GM and players to kind of figure out new relationships during the campaign. And this often winds up being less mechanized or formal uh, and relies more on relationships happening organically through play. Now, like some things like Dungeon World, you can pick up a new bond um, right. yeah. with a player and things like that. But a lot of times games will do a really good job. Like in Fate, you can change your aspects and stuff, but you never get like another phase trio. Like, right. You never go through that process again. Right. You can just like during a milestone, you can change out one of your aspects. So if you want to have a new relationship aspect or something. So and and Fate and Power by the Apocalypse are actually two games that do a decent job of um, still having some mechanisms around during the game for right. creating relationships. But, you know, other there are plenty of games that don't. Um, yeah. That don't do that. So. Yeah. So that. that- That leads us to Rob's actual question, which is, what happens once the campaign starts? And he gave us two scenarios. So when we've reached the end of the definition segment, and we have two topics, it is time for us to spring into panda action. So I'm going to talk about creating relationships when a new character joins an existing campaign. Yep. And I'll talk about changing... Uh, and creating new relationships with NPCs uh, during the campaign. Yeah. So, if we're going to talk about new characters joining a campaign, a new character is joining your party, a yeah, new so, challenger approaches. Yeah, so this um, this could be that you have uh, brought a new player into the group and they're about to make their character and, and join the group. Mm-hmm. Um, or... It could be an existing player, but something's happened to that character. They've either left the campaign or they've died, uh, and they now are being replaced by a new character. Yeah. So in either case, we need to connect that new character to the rest of the group through relationships. Otherwise, it's going to be super awkward and stilted. I've done it before. It's not good. 
It's even weirder because everyone else already gets along. Yes. It gets real <laughs> bad real yeah. quick. So in the case of the new player, um, we need to integrate them into the group and into the knowledge of the campaign. And that's kind of its own discussion. So we're going to just stay on the relationship part. Uh, but remember that you're integrating this character into the like whole fabric and dynamic of the group. Yes. So the challenge here is that real relationships take time. And that's true in a campaign too, right? It's true in real life, right? Yeah. Like we need, we need time to get to know someone. Uh, mm-hmm. Time to have conversations, time to make connections, etc. Yeah. So when we do it in character creation, we we can just assume that as much time has passed as we want, and we can create past events as needed to make the relationships seem and feel realistic. But when, when a new person just drops into the party, we sometimes you can't create that time to stitch them in back far enough, right? So here are some things that we can do. And the first one is that sometimes you can create the time, right? So often when we insert a new character, you'll sometimes you'll actually play out that moment when they join the party. Yeah, and and the thing is that like this is the moment where like we find the new player as a prisoner while we're in the dungeon, right? Yeah. The thing is that that moment is always the most awkward so moment. So awkward. Right? So like, unbelievably awkward. Yeah, I mean, even, no matter how smooth it is, the first moments of meeting a new character are super awkward, and it's always going to be that way. Yes. Um, so, again, sometimes we don't have that time, like, you know, we don't have that, the time to create, right? So we, we find them in the dungeon, we add them to the party. Other times, uh, we just know that we need a new character to come in, and we still have that instinct to be like, okay, let's play out the moment where you all meet. Right. But, like... <laughs> But you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't need to. It's not actually obligatory. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you could just, you could bring someone in between stories and then you can insert time. Like you can insert artificial time just like you did at the beginning of the campaign. So you can be like, oh, and you met this person three months ago on the road so now you already have this relationship built up. Tell us some stories about things that happened in that time. Good. Now we go forward with the campaign and you have some sort of connection, right? So now if, you're, if your game has built-in mechanisms for establishing new relationships, like this space is the perfect time to put them in. Like you've inserted the new player in the party and you say a few months have passed. Every, if we're playing Fate, everybody who wants to take an aspect around this character, let's do that. Um, or yeah. if we're playing Dungeon World, uh, why doesn't everybody establish a bond with the character, right? Pick a bond right. or write a bond, something like that. Yep. Um, and that's great. So we can totally do those things. And we can ask leading questions, right? Like, what's the most obnoxious thing about the new uh, person? <laughs> or we can flip it around. Like, what's the most obnoxious thing about the party? Um, right. And we can create that, you know, like we can we can simulate that passage of time by asking those leading questions. Yes. Now, if your game doesn't have a, um, if your game doesn't have mechanisms for this, then you're going to kind of just have to home grow it yourself. And you could use something like backstory cards or leading questions, which is actually a previous episode of the show, right? Mm-hmm. We've did a whole yep. uh, past show, season one, I think, about <laughs> leading questions. I don't think of them in seasons. Also, Ange wrote a really great character relationship leading questions um, sheet on Gnome Stew also, so... 
that's yeah. a handy reference as well. Awesome. Yeah. So say you can't jump ahead in the timeline weeks or months, and you do end up actually playing out when the party meets the new character. So how do you how do you save that? Like <laughs> it's gonna be awkward. How do we get past that hump so that we can start actually building relationships as fast as possible. So the first thing is to create immediate commonalities so that your characters will actually talk to each other and they won't immediately hate each other or something like that, right? So the first thing you need to do is to give the new character a motivation that aligns with the current goals for the party. Yeah, so if the party's in the dungeon to obtain the relic of Alsbad, then when you find the new when you find the new character uh, they were also trying to do that, but they got captured. Right. So now, one one caveat. Yes. One caveat. If you're playing a supers game, then the immediate commonality is that you must fight. Right. Right. So you know, Thor Thor takes Loki off the Quinjet. Iron Man and Captain America have to fight Thor, and then and then we're friends. Right. Right. Like that is. Um, that is an absolute trope of superhero games. Right. And so your commonality comes through uh, fighting each other, not for any real stakes, but just to kind of flex your powers. Okay. Right. So, so you know, pay attention to your, to your genre tropes as you create this initial connection and commonality, because yes, that is how you should choose a new character in a um, comic book. Anyway, good. Well, so now that we've covered that, so once you have established some sort of commonality of purpose, then the next thing you need to do is create space for the the characters to actually have conversations. So when you pick up that new character, make sure that you're leaving time in that session to let them all talk and gel and give them, you know, a downtime scene. So if that's making camp or taking a trip or returning to town, whatever, that long rest or whatever, and that you don't normally act out and like actually do, do some of it. Do it so that you have downtime that's not mid-fight so that people can actually develop the relationship. So don't cut it out. Slow it down. Let it breathe. Yeah. So going back to the Avengers, uh-huh. um, let's just jump back up real quick. Create uh-huh. commonalities, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone has an interest in getting a hold of Loki. Yes, right? they Thor do. wants Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, and so does Iron Man and Captain America, right? So there, right. there's their commonality. Right. Next after that fight in the forest, what's the next scene in the Avengers? Crap, I don't remember. Is it on the jet? They're aboard the helicarrier. Yeah, and they're, they're putting all just Loki sitting. into the jail, and yep. they're now sitting around talking with Nick Fury. Yes, right. This is now the time, right? This is the time where they get to have a conversation, right? This is where this is the. Um, I get. I I understood that reference. Yes, the flying monkeys, right? The yes. flying monkeys reference. Yep. Um, Tony Stark comment to the Hulk. Yep. Like. You know, your paper is fascinating. Plus, I also love the way you turn into a giant rage monster. <laughs> giant green rage monster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So create that space. And if you need to use some leading questions to help break the ice, if your players aren't immediately diving into this space to have a conversation, toss mm-hmm. out some of these, you know, leading questions to draw people in. And every now and then. Just ask them to play that out. Remember, we talked about that. We talked about that, I think, last week about descriptive narrative. Right. So, you know, once somebody answers a question, be like, well, what does that look like when right. when they're in camp? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. What does it's- that look like? Yeah. And like, 
How does it look when Coulson is like, um, you know, super obsessed with Captain America? Yeah, and, and play they that have, out like, for me. Show moment. me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have that moment where they're like standing really close, and he's just like, uh, starstruck, right? Like exactly. What's next? Good. So the next thing that you can do that you you should also include is you can just straight up rig their background, right? Because you're you're creating this character mid campaign. You all know that this new character has to somehow fit into the group itself. So make sure that when you make this character, their backstory has hooks in it that can turn into relationships with the other characters. And, you know, whether that means that, you know, they're from the same place, they went to the same wizard school, they're your long lost second cousin on your mother's side, you know, whatever it is, like, whatever it is that can, you know, make a connection... They love the same ponies. I don't know. Make sure that's there. And then in the sessions that follow, there's material for the new character to use to actually create the relationships with the characters in that downtime. So like if one of your characters has always been obsessed with pink fluffy unicorns and your new character, you know, before they were an adventurer, worked on a pink fluffy unicorn farm, then they can connect over pink fluffy unicorns in some way. And, you know, go forth. Right. There's a thing where when people are playing too realistic, they're like, well, I'm going to make whatever background I want for this character because he like he was like he was his own adventurer when he got captured. And like he had like this whole different background or whatever. Like, look, you're a GM. You could be like, look, you got to fit into this group. Yeah. Figure out some way to tie yourself to the other people. Work it into your background. Like, it's fine. Like those kind of coincidences exist everywhere. It is yeah. okay. Yeah, and yeah. they they totally actually do exist everywhere. They're so weird that we usually don't believe that they're like reality. We're like, oh, that just happens in fiction, but like that that stuff does actually happen. So Absolutely. whatever, just you know, as a as a table as a player, it is your responsibility to fit the new character into the party uh, in all directions. So don't be. Don't be like, hey, man, come play a game with us and then be like, oh, my wizard hates you because you wore the wrong color today. Like, you know. Oh, and that's probably another one for party unity purposes. Don't pick like opposites like, oh, my wizard guild has been trying to kill your wizard guild since, you know, since time began and we could never be friends. But now I'm part of this party like. Right, Don't. like it's going to be problematic unless you're playing Starcrossed, in which case that yeah, sounds awesome. Different. Exactly. Let's do that sometime. All right, so let's to kind of wrap to kind of wrap <laughs> this section up before we wander yeah, off yeah. too far and too right, right, late. Right. Okay, um, good. The trick to integrating new characters is that you need to give them opportunities for the integration to take place. Yeah, so you have to prime the situation with backgrounds and immediate desires so that all that stuff lines up, and then you're going to let it set for a bit with some downtime discussions so that they can actually use that content that you baked in to actually create relationships, and then over the course of play, those relationships will start and then develop, right? But you've got to plant the seeds. You can't just be like, oh, look at this desolate ground. I'll throw water at it. Why isn't it working? Yeah. Anyway, so Phil, what do we do about characters creating new relationships during the campaign? Uh, does any of this stuff, does any of the stuff we just talked about help you out there? Yeah, actually it is. And we'll get to those parts uh, towards the end. 
But in in what we're talking about now is that we're looking for uh, existing characters to create new relationships during the campaign. And if we're not talking about new characters joining the party, then we're talking about creating relationships with NPCs mm-hmm. um, or just kind of changing relationships among each other. Yeah. Um, so the characters most likely have initial relationships from character creation, but that was like sessions ago, right? Like that's how we got out of, that's how we got into like playing and, you know, having some sort of, you know, direction and purpose. But now campaigns got on and we need like, new relationships we need like the characters to grow and change because that's part of of being dramatic is growth and change Indeed. so the first thing we need to do is have someone that the characters can make a new relationship with an npc mm-hmm. and our npc actually needs a few things if we're going to make them relationship worthy uh and the first one is they need to have some detail right like you have to create an npc that's a bit more than a stock npc now, I'll caveat that because I I don't think that you create deep backgrounds for every NPC. Like no. you're going to pick and choose. So if you decide this is the NPC that you want your player characters to have a relationship with, then you build it with a lot of background. Conversely, if your player characters take a liking to some random NPC you created, then between sessions, go in and give them a background, right? right. Like there's a, there is a happy medium to this. Right. And you don't have to completely overdo it because um, you can actually grow that NPC organically as their relationship to the party develops, right? So you can kind of grow them and smurge them and make yeah, it all a big happy blob of relationships. So the other thing our NPC is going to need is persistence. And that is that the NPC needs to persist from session to session if there's going to be any kind of meaningful relationship. And and what this means is that you need to consider how your players move about your campaign. Right. So is this a hex crawl and they're in a new hex each session? Do they have a base of operations that they return to between sessions? Do they have a kingdom they work in? Right. Because... The NPC that you create in order for it to be persistent is going to have to fit into that same pattern. Right. So if the characters are nomadic, so is the NPC. If the characters always return to a spot, then the NPC is always in that spot until you kidnap them as a plot hook. That's different. You have to establish the relationship first. If the characters have a turf, then the NPC lives in the turf. So if that's a neighborhood or a kingdom or uh, a castle or whatever it is, right? Right. Because you can't have a relationship with an NPC that you only interact with once. Yeah, no. So in, in order to have multiple scenes for them to interact, your persistent NPC has to show up in places. So once we have those things worked out, then all the other advice that we talked about in the previous session all comes into play. So we need to give them an immediate uh, matching or complementary goal so that there's a reason for the characters to interact. Right. So if we take the hex crawl example, then, um, you know, maybe our NPC is a nomadic halfling trader who rides around on a dog and he rides through the area and he sells adventuring equipment and healing potions and stuff. Right. There's a good reason for them to interact with him and a good reason for him to be there. Exactly. Uh, Then we need narrative beats where there's time for conversation and for the characters to interact. 
Right. So the trader can ask about the players, like where they're from, etc. What are you doing out here? Why are you buying this? <laughs> right. Then we want to include them in a story or an arc. So we can have uh, the NPC perhaps call upon the heroes for help. Or uh, the NPC is uh, somebody who is actually able to help the heroes in something that they're struggling with. Right. So, like, our trader needs to cross, uh, like, a dangerous wasteland. So he comes and finds the heroes because he needs basically hired protection for that particular trip. Yep. So the bottom line is that there's actually no way to force characters to like an NPC or to be in a relationship with an NPC. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to just create opportunities and then let things happen naturally at the table. Like, just, like, get them alone. Like, put on some sweet music, like mm. some candles. Mm. Um, let them get to know each other. Like, let uh, them get to know, like, the real so Phil, them. Anyway, when Phil begins to seduce the NPCs in the game, it must be time for us to close out the show. So before we do, let me tell you about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. On Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, Hobbs gets together with various friends from the OSR where they talk about the games they play, a little about themselves, some OSR-related topic, and sometimes the state of the OSR where Hobbs puts down his Mr. Rogers personality and gets all opinionated. Get old school with Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. Say, Sendo, how do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Well, much like Rob Day, please leave us some suggestions for topics. Uh, Whatever is ailing you in your game, uh, (laughs) we got the cure. We're like a we're like a wandering salesman in the Midwest hucking elixirs to uh, people. <laughs> so by uh, all means, whatever whatever ails you, we got it for you. We got a cabinet full of narrative beats and <laughs> descriptions and relationship maps and all sorts of crazy stuff. So please send us your topic. We love to talk about the things that are uh, on your mind and hopefully are helping you uh, navigate your games. And we like them in all sorts of fashions. We like simple questions. We like things about one shots and campaigns. Don't worry about it. We you ask your question, we'll figure out. We'll figure out how to make a show around it. Hey, send a. um, Besides topics, what else can people do with our social media that's also fun and entertaining? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time you are sitting down to play a game and maybe meet some new characters, so let us know if you are, you can snap a shot of that table and you playing that cool game, hashtag it table selfie and drop it on the social media of your choice. Uh, Twitter is the easiest one for us to find it on, but given that we find it and see it, we will swing by and like it because that's what we do. Like to see what you guys are playing. And on the topic of liking things, if you like what we do here or on other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of awesome stuff. Uh, uh-huh. They get the bonus outtakes from this show. They get the after show from the Misdirected Mark podcast. They get song parodies. Uh, they get things like uh, print and play editions of uh, games as we put them out, such as Whirlwind Millionaire. Which I just released a couple weeks ago. And uh, we also like to shout out to them because um, we loves them. And yeah. uh, we love to shout out to our patrons who help make all of this possible. So let's do some shouting. Can you lead us in the shouting center? <laughs> do I have to actually shout? 
Nope. Rob Whitaker, the Marshal of the Mark. Thanks, Rob. You're awesome. Chris Steele. Yeah, I was hoping that you were lining it up like that. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> and Jason Pitt, thank you. You're awesome. We love Jason and his um his ever famous dissertation on uh, various routines. Poutine. Yes. Uh, say Senda. What can uh, people do if they're supporting the Patreon or unable to support the Patreon? That is also super helpful for us and makes us all warm and uh, and all happy on the inside. Well, you can also leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice because it's like hugging a panda. You'll feel good and we'll feel good, right? <laughs> So, it's like hugging a panda without those those zoo people right. getting all up in your face for climbing over the you, bars and hugging yes. a panda. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that part. So it's good and you should do it. Um, every review we get actually really does help new people find the show because basically you're just standing out on the street corner and saying, hey, guys, this is an awesome show. You should come hug this panda as the zoo people chase you because you really weren't supposed to leave the zoo with the panda. Thank you so much to everyone who has already left a review. Clearly, it's very late at night. Phil's going to do the last line now. <laughs> Say, Senda, show me how you're going to create a space in your game to welcome that new character into the group. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. And welcome to the Panda Pre-Show. Damn, I had a waveform song. I even worked on it in the car and I forgot it. Oh, I remember it. I remember it. <laughs> I forgot it. Oh, I remembered. Is this one of those ones yeah, where yeah. it's like, oh, I remembered it, but it's like you got like a half a line and then you're just going to be like, blah, blah, well, blah, 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 panda, I mean, blah, blah, waveform, it's waveform, on, blah, blah. It's on blah. my phone. Like it has, it's re, it's got a verse. Okay. I don't know if I can remember the whole verse, but the whole verse is on my phone. Is it one of those ones where we're just better if we let you play the phone? I, I like that one of the tropes of the show is the, the trope of the shit. Like the, one of the tropes of the show is like people acting cool. Like uh -huh. everybody acts cool. Like, yeah. I, so some people don't. They're right? super but like, cool. But like all major characters are like super cool. Like, right. Spike is like nearly unflappable, right? Like the world right. could be exploding around him and he's like, cool. Dig it. Right. You know. Did we get enough money for steak this time? Right. Like, He's just, yeah. yeah. He, but even like, um, even in the episode I watched, um, the heavy metal trucker, which I think is like seven or eight, um, with the, the woman who drives the space truck, like she drives like the equivalent of the space 18 wheeler. Like even she's like cool, right? Like, right? Like, yeah. They're they're well. It's it's grungy '90s in space, and everybody is cool, right? Bloop. Like, if you were making this as a role playing game, like everybody gets a ten cool, and then something, right. and then like something else, because right? Yeah, literally yeah. Everybody's, everybody's just like a just ten cool. cool. Bloop. Like, I, I'll I'll tell you what doesn't work so far. Now, eight episodes sam is a sampling error. Okay, so yeah. except except that I haven't watched the whole thing, but here's the um 
here's the hard part to like if i was going to play this as a campaign here's the hard part to sell to players so Hmm. this would be one of the tropes of the of the um episode you're never going to make any real money. Yes. All right. So at any moment in the game never. where you are presented with real money, that will undo itself at all times. Like right. your bounty. By the end of tonight. Yes. Your nope. bounty will be dead. Right. Right. Like the um, the the woman, the female trucker, VT, like there was a thing about guessing her name. Right. And she had this like big stack of money of people who couldn't guess her name. And at the end of the episode, of course, Spike guesses her name because he sees a picture of this bounty hunter and he knew who the bounty hunter was. And uh, she gives him the wad of cash and he takes his one bill that he had originally out of it and gives it back to her. Yeah. Right. Like, well, because they did- it's that it's that moral compass thing. It's very Firefly, though, too. Right. If you think about yeah. it like that. Right, like they always end up with just enough to keep the ship running and everything, right. but it is a constant concern. Right, like the conceit of this game is that, like, look, anytime you think you're going to be successful in this game, monetarily, you're monetarily that will you're undo not. itself. Like, you yeah. cannot prosper. So, if there's a thirty like million, you know, whatever it is, bounty on someone, and you catch them, that's going to somehow screw up. Well, so it's really interesting because what it is is that the characters are driven by a monetary need, but the players need to be driven by a need for the emotion and the moral quandaries. Right? Well, yeah, and you can't have players like having a fit, right? Because yeah, yeah, beca- everybody has to know what they're going into. Right, because <laughs> if you don't establish that as a trope, players would be like, like by episode, like what the right fuck? by episode yeah. eight. Right. Players yeah. would be losing their minds. Like, <laughs> I can't get any effing gold, man. Like, they would like, be losing their shit what about is it. What's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. It literally would yep. be the worst GM'd game, like, um, ever. Ever. Like, it would just, <laughs> people would just, they would, people would, people would rage quit the table. Bloop. Right. So the conceit going in is like, look, um, you're never going to get rich doing this. Like, but, uh, they'll they'll always somehow manage to be enough money that like the ship runs, uh, you have repairs and you can eat. Yeah. Right. Or you can buy Not- like you can buy stuff like occasionally when you need right. to buy something, there'll be like just enough money to make like one significant purchase in the game. And that's it for the for yep. the session. Yep. Yeah. That's the um which is great. There's always some kind of like windfall to keep them going, right? Like, yeah, whatever. Like whatever. Yeah. So, well, it's not even a windfall, right? It's like always a consolation right, prize. However, so it's like, yes. Uh, sorry, you didn't get the thirty million dollar bounty, but you did scoop up this guy for like you know like eighty thousand, right? right. <laughs> so like, and there you and go. your docking fees, your repairs, and everything were seventy nine thousand. Um, right. So, so here, you're set. here's your Bye. thousand bucks. Yeah. See you next time, cowboy. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> See you later, space cowboy. Exactly. <laughs> that has all got to be covered in session zero. Like that is yeah. not a thing that you allow um, players to discover because that is the kind of shit players would like rebel, burn well, shit it would down. Be a, it's. A, I mean, that's a bait and switch, right? Because that's not what they expect. Like we're going to play bounty hunter, right? But you're never like, going to get any way, money. Out you're of this. never going to get any money, even though you're actually really successful at bounty hunting. Right. Right. Disasters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking disasters. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Bloop.
I'll tell you what I want, but you can't say anything, okay? Like, uh, okay. But I, I want the dog to be like something like, <laughs> like when they found him, like they what? made a mention uh-huh. that he's a data dog, and that's not uh-huh. really like. I feel like somebody put a gun up on the mantle when they when they. Uh-huh. So I'm just waiting it out. Like I, I the uh-huh. dog's adorable, and I'm just kind of like waiting his for his moment to shine. Like, uh-huh. okay, that's enough. You don't have to talk about Good. that anymore. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I have a song. You should do a song and then we should do a show. Exactly. That's why I was trying to. Let's let's do both of those things. It is it is okay. way later than it normal. Super duper late. So we're going to keep this all cut and close and professional. <laughs> Bloop. All right. Do your song. Oh, I got to do the thing. Right. Hang on. <laughs> I got this. I remember how it works. <laughs> uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen. The 2018 Waveform Theater presents Miss Sunda. I found a waveform. I found a waveform. Inside were words about those one-shots and campaigns. Uh-oh. I think I did it wrong. And now I can't remember the rest of the words. Because <laughs> it rhymed and had something about definitions. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're just gonna leave that there because well, we should start the show. Hang on. I. I mean, <laughs> I can take the. No. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna take the audio off my phone from in the car and just insert it into the outtakes, and everybody else will get the real version of the song. <laughs> okay. Enough with the slow clap. <laughs> I found a waveform. I found a waveform Inside were words about those role-playing games And how you run them The one-shots and campaigns And a definition from Becky Home Bloop! <laughs> boom, boom Doom. <laughs> okay sorry you only did it once but i was doing it twice but we got no it's okay. all right i was yeah, i was, was i hadn't committed to the second one i was yeah, like i was like, i was i was ready to head into it and then i was like i don't know if i pause will she stop and then we right. can keep going but then you right. went and i was like oh, i'll just okay. keep going well then see i expected you to do the second one so i did the second one yeah <laughs> let me drink a little coffee and then we'll do the opening <laughs> oh dear <laughs> what the hell is smirge did you say smurge? Yeah, I did. I don't think smurge is a word. <laughs> yeah, it's a combination of smoosh and merge. Define smurge. You were just saying this episode was going so late, and you're stopping to look up smurge. Look, when the episode goes late, you have to use real words, not <laughs> no. not, not make believe words. <laughs> See, when the ep- the later the episode goes, the less likely I am to use real words. Smurge, smurge is not a word. Did it, did it not is... come up in Google at all? No, it Google immediately corrected it to emerge, but. Um... <laughs> Oh, wait, I can do this. I can do this. No. Ready? I can use smurge in a sentence. Yeah, I can um, use smurge. I just used smurge in a sentence. I know, but I have a different one. Let me let me, okay. let me see if I can do this. Okay. Um, the fries were cooked in beef fat, and it <laughs> smurged the beefness 
onto the french fries. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be more correct to say that they smurged the beef fat and the the duck fat. They, They smurged the beefness and the duckness together and then they fried the fries in it because smurging implies the actual like melding in in a more melted If you could only see her hand if you could only see her hand like squeezing and clenching as she's smurging it is this is this sign language for smurge? It's either sign language for smurge or sign language for I'm milking a cow I don't know which it is this is awkward. Or like squid fingers. Like, squid. like it could be a <laughs> Minecraft squid. Ooh, <laughs> I'm smurging. Smur- oh, God. <laughs> Going off the rails and smurging. Yeah, don't smurge this section with the <laughs> section below it. it with the section You're about below. to smurge those sections. <laughs> that is a correct use of the word smurge. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, that's really good ad copy. Did Hobbs write that? No, I think Chris must have rewritten it. <laughs> okay, because that's really good. Like, right, like that's really, that's like, I remember we were we were teasing him a lot for, yeah, yeah. like no, Hobbs that's... and Friends of the OSR is where Hobbs talks to his friends about the OSR. Right, yeah, this is, <laughs> like, this is really good ad copy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, Bloop, yay, show me what you got. 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 Hey, high five, 50 minutes. Look at us. Professional. Digital high five. All you're really doing is covering up the camera. I know, but like high five. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We next time we just hold it up in the air and just like a little motion. You don't have to stick your hand in front of the whole camera. It's (laughs) weird. Like all of a sudden they looked up and there's just a hand. (laughs) I was giving you. Smurging, smurging. <laughs> no, that is incorrect use of the word smurge. Right? What um, what what word is is what word is smurged with to make schmancy? Like I know fancy is part of it, but what's the other part? <laughs> I don't know. Is Just it super more letters, fancy? More letters make it fancier. That's... I think it's super fancy, right? So it's schmancy. Bloop. Super mooper fancy. No, that's weird. Well, there's that's like, a weird word. There's an that's, S. <laughs> no, I don't like moop, mooper. That sounds really weird. I don't. It sounds like some sort. It sounds S-H- like a rejected Muppet. No, like, a rejected mooper. Muppet. Mo- mooper, like the Muppet that no a one loved. Muppet. It's like the Muppet no one loved. Like a when they did it in Muppet. pilot testing. Yeah. When they did it in pilot testing, it was the Muppet that no one loved. All the kids rejected it. Mooper. Bloop. Redacted Muppet. I'm pretty sure that is the name of a Dishwally's album. Redacted Muppet. Yeah. yeah. Redacted Muppet. It, it was right? a, it, I mean, it was a, it was, a, it was just, it was a single, you know, right. with like a B side. Yeah. Bloop. Oh, God. Redacted Muppet's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's it's definitely awesome. a thing. We need to hit the stop. We button. really need to hit stop because we could talk about Ready? the Dishwally's all night. They're my favorite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm the you're the second biggest fan compared to me. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the second? Maybe we're tied for biggest fan. I think it's a symmetrical relationship. Oh, <laughs> look how you brought it all the way back to the show. Say bye. Bye. Bye.